This is a podcast from Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information, visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk. I wonder whether you've ever thought that if you just could just surround yourself, surround your mind with just the good stuff. Any, anybody ever thought like that? I, I just want the good stuff. You know, just even if it's only for a minute or two, just the good stuff. Not the stuff that creeps in and says, ah, hmm, you've not remembered, have you? But it's Monday tomorrow. <laughs> but just the good stuff. Just for an hour. That'd be great. Ten minutes I'd take. I don't know whether you're anything like that, but I know that life presents all sorts of difficulties and in all sorts of different moments, there are all sorts of different kinds of worries and stress and you just want just a moment. I know it can't just be me, but think about it. If we could fill our headspace so full with all the good things, with the positive things, then I guess if we did that, there'd be no room for anything negative. There'd be no room for any bad stuff, any difficult things, any worries. Now, I also am realistic. And I know that life doesn't really allow us to do that all too often. And and also, Wired, um, I have my dad to thank for this, as a worrier, <laughs> he was a born worrier. A born, no, mind, he should have been when we were born, my brother and I and my sister when, when we were born, that he had reason to worry. Very good reason to worry. But you see, I, I, I've told you before, it's no confession really, but I, as a worrier, you know, having my head full of the positive things, just for a few moments, just a constant fill of goodness, sounds absolutely wonderful. And if, I guess you're, you're a half, a glass half empty kind of person, then this sounds absolutely physically impossible. Is there any glass half full kind of people in there? Oh, we've got, okay, we've got a couple. That's good. That's good. Oh, we've got two or three. Okay, now you're thinking about it. You might think you fall into the category of the glass half full. But I also know, I guess there's probably a 70-30, better push, maybe 60-40 split of, of those that would say the glass is half full and those that would say the glass is half empty. But that aside, I do believe that as Christians, we have an opportunity every single day, every day to see the beauty and not the brokenness. Never gets an amen that. I've, I've tried a few times. <laughs> but I do believe that as Christians, we do have that opportunity to see the beauty and not the brokenness in every day. But I also know that we have to look. We have to look. So often it's very easy to see the negative. So easy to spot that. I can see it a mile off. So can you. Why is he wearing those trainers with that shirt? You've all thought it. I've gone for it. Tried to match. They're a completely different color, but I've aired it now. All right? I've aired it, so it's out there. Uh, But it's easy to see the negative. But what you've not thought is, oh, poor old Matt, he could do with some new shirts. (laughs) Christmas is coming, church. Colin, please do not get involved in picking shirts for me. All right? There's people you want to help and people know. All right? I love you, brother, but no. (laughs) 
But you see, here in this moment, in this story that we're going to have a look at this morning, we're going to remember over the past couple of weeks that we've looked at, are you surprised? And we're going to continue that series. And here we've got a servant of the prophet Elisha. He's about to have his eyes opened in a wonderful way. And he's about to be very surprised. He's about to be very surprised at God's hand in the situation. And as we look for this, it's easy to see the negative which we'll see, but he has to look to see the positive in the situation. Let's have a read, shall we? Uh, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 8 through 23. It says, Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said, I will set up my camp in such and such a place. It's like I've written that. Genuinely, you read that, that's what it says. There aren't technical names that I read over. It actually says, in such and such a place. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God. Time and again, Elisha warned the king so that he was on his guard in such places. This enraged the king of Aram. He summoned his officers and demanded of them, Will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? None of us, my lord, the king said one of his officers. But Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Can you imagine that? Go and find out where he is, the king ordered so that I can send men and capture him. The report came back. He is in Dothan. Then he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. When the servant of the man of God got up and went out early the next morning, can you imagine this panic? An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. He needs glasses. (laughs) And Elisha prayed, O Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all round Elisha. As the enemy came down towards him, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. That's Samaria, not Samaria. It's a bit clearer this time. After they entered the city, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. Then the Lord opened their eyes and they looked and there they were inside Samaria. When the king of Israel saw them, he said to Elisha, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? Do not kill them, he answered. Would you kill men you have captured with your own sword or bow? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they had finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and returned Uh, And they returned to their master. So the bands from Aram stopped raiding Israel's territory. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, this morning we just want to thank you for your word. And we ask, Lord God, that as we come now and we listen 
that you might speak through me and that, Father, your word might touch our hearts, that we might hear and see something more of your beauty, that, Father, we might grasp a little bit more about you, our Heavenly Father. Lord, may you encourage us this morning. May we be able to take something from what you have to say to us that helps us on our journey and that we might be able to grow furthermore in you. Father, help us, we pray. Bless us, we pray. If we ask this in Jesus' precious name, amen. You know, it's an amazing story. And we'll have a look uh, through the servant's eyes soon. Uh, But first, I want us to grasp something more of the God we worship um, we worship a God, as I've mentioned before, and I like to mention as often as possible, I'm a guy who sort of looks at things and wants to know the detail of things and how these things work. Uh, but we worship a God who is before time. He always has been and he always will be. He put the stars into space. He flung the planets into their particular orbit. He, as I've mentioned before, designed and made a giraffe. Who does that? But also, in that, have you ever seen a grasshopper? So much smaller than the giraffe, yet so incredible in its beauty, although they are disgusting, in its beauty of how it's made. It's just incredible. This is the God we worship. And when you look at all that, it helps you to paint the picture in your mind that says, okay, now I see that this is the God that Matt's talking about. This is the God that perhaps you worship this morning. It makes sense then that when that knowledge is reviewed, that we can understand that we worship a God who is everywhere. We worship a God who is everywhere. Not sometimes, but all the time. We worship a God who is everywhere all of the time. There's a technical word for it called omnipresent. And this is the God we worship. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere constantly. Now, that should fill us with joy and excitement. But also, as the old king of Aram found out, he's even in the places where we think it's just us. He's even in the places where we think it's just us. And that should actually help us to stay on guard a little bit, shouldn't it? We worship a God who is omnipresent. And it's worth just mentioning that no one or nothing else has this. Only God. Only God. We perhaps have heard of omnipresence before. Maybe we understand it as much as our human limitation will allow us. Yet here, we can see it in action, in a very random place. And it's so amazing that God is telling Elisha what's coming next from Israel's enemies. Can you imagine that? Now God gathers uh, Elisha and says to him, right, this is what's going to happen. Can you imagine? I mean, if I was Elisha, I'd be like, how? I know you're God, but seriously... How have you found out this information? And the information comes from such a place, not such and such a place as we've heard about, but such a place as the king's bedroom. This is where the information comes from. Elisha knows what's coming next. Coming next, verse 8 through 12, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, he said that I will set up camp in this place. The man of God uh, sent word to the king of Israel. He knows what's happening because of God's omnipresence. The king of Israel checked on that place, indicated by the man of God. 
Time and again, Elisha warned the king. This happens more than once. And it emerged then, verse 11, it enraged the king that he summoned his officers. Somebody's got to be telling them what we're doing. Who is it? I even like how he puts it. He puts a nice, look at, you'll miss it if you don't look, but it says in verse 11, will you not tell me which of us is on the side of the king of Israel? See how he puts a nice slant on it? Like, come on team, <laughs> share with me. Like, no, we're not going to fall into that trap. But none of us have said anything. And one of his officers says, look, <laughs> Verse 12, none of us, my lord, the king. Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. Can you imagine the fear that comes over the king at that point? He what? Yeah, the very words that you utter in your bedroom, the very plans that you've put together, God is listening and he's telling Elisha. Or as maybe as this man sees it, Elisha's listening. Well, has he got a, has he got one of those, anybody seen an ear trumpet before? Has he got one of them? What is he doing? How is it possible? And then we get, well, an incredible reaction. And I believe this reaction only happens because of rage. Because otherwise, this part here is crackers. Just listen to what he does. He says, go, find out where he is, uh, the king ordered, so that I can send men and capture him. Do you think Elisha's not going to know? You see what I mean? What he should have done is wrote a note. (laughs) He should have wrote a note. But he he says, this is what I'm going to do. This is how we're going to tackle it. This is how we're going to achieve it. And you can see that in his rage... He's completely blinded by what's actually happening. Blind rage. Anybody ever experienced that? (laughs) Some of you are brave enough. Somebody once cut me up on the M1, I tell you. (laughs) After 45 minutes of chasing him home, I thought, I better turn back. (laughs) Of course, I'd never do such a thing. Only messing. (laughs) But you see, what he does is he says that this is what I want to happen. Go and find out where he is. And he orders the men to go and find him. And and they find him and he's in the city of Dothan. So what does he do? Well, he does what every king does. What's he got at his disposal? An army. He's got wealth. He's got everything at his disposal. Or so he thinks. And he sends one heck of an army. Verse 14, he sent horses and chariots and a strong force there. Let's go and take this one man with an entire army. It's madness, isn't it? When you read it and you start to unlock it, you think, what are you doing? But he can see, can't he, that something is far bigger at work. And he says, well, this is what I'm going to do. Send a strong force there. And they go by night. Like he won't know. They go by night and they surround the city. Now we can see as we read on that Elisha's not surprised one bit. But unfortunately, the servant got up first. Can you imagine this guy's panic? When the servant of the man of God got up, verse 15, and went out early the next morning, la-da-da, an army... With horses and chariots that surrounded the city. What do you 
do. It's that moment in it. Anybody had one of those nightmares where you can't speak? Literally, you know something bad's going to happen, but you can't tell anybody because nothing comes out of your mouth. You're like, there's nothing. You can imagine this guy, he's like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. He panics, he runs back wherever um, Elisha is and he says, oh my Lord, what shall we do? It's like, I'm in blind panic. What am I going to do? We've had blind rage and now we've got blind panic. What am I? What are we going to do? And Elisha's response is magnificent. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Human reaction. I would go, mate, they're all asleep. <laughs> it's early in the morning. We have a city, I do agree, but they are all asleep. There is not a single one of them dressed with their armor on. Nobody's got the horses ready. We ain't got anything ready. In fact, I saw Trevor the other day sharpening his sword and it didn't look very sharp. Panicking in this moment, be like, what? Nobody's ready. We can't take them. Look how many there is. And in his blind rage, in his blind panic, he's missing what God has in store and what Elisha can see. And this is the magnificence of the God that we worship. And this is why when we think about being surprised at God's hand in situations, being surprised at what God's doing, really we shouldn't be surprised. God has always been in control of this situation, hasn't he? God in this moment, as we've seen through this story, he's in control completely. There's no secrets here. God's hearing even the stuff from the king's bedroom. And it says in verse 17, Elisha prayed. He says, oh Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes. And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. You know, in our walk with the Lord, there are times when he chooses to reveal that he's right there with us. And you get to experience that. I'm not saying that we see him. I'm not saying that, but you know. He is here. And you have that moment where you go, it's going to be all right. And this, to the very tip of the scale, Elisha's servant stands there and he looks around and you can almost see the fear run away. And he remembers, and that's the key, isn't it? He remembers that all the time Elisha has known because God has told him what's going to happen. All the time Elisha's been in control. Why? Because God's in control. And all the time Elisha hasn't panicked. He's just told him what's going to happen. And all of this in this very moment must come flooding over the servant. And he finds himself surprised that even in what seems to be a moment of absolute peril. He's surprised that God is in control. They're in enemy territory. They're right inside the camp. But God is there. Amen? You know, if you want to read further on from that, Psalm 71, it oozes praise with reference to a story 
And it gives us the ability to just lift up our eyes and to just give thanks to God, knowing that he is in control. Obviously, the king of Aram then isn't happy that Elisha knows every detail and plan. Neither would you be. He wants to conquer this guy. He wants to take over this guy. And now Elisha finds himself in a spot where he has an opportunity to do something. And what Elisha does here, he prays that the army that are surrounding him, that they're struck with blindness, look. As the enemy came towards him, verse 18, Elisha prayed to the Lord, strike these people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness as Elisha had asked. Elisha told them, this is not the road and this is not the city. Follow me and I will lead you to the man you are looking for. And he led them to Samaria. He changes what was a place where that city and he and his servant were captured. He takes them, the capturers, and turns them into captives. This is what God does. He takes situations and he turns it on its head. And here in this moment, Elisha now, with God, has the full power of this entire army. And he leads them right into the capital, to the city, to the fortress. Takes them right into Samaria. And then what does he do? After they entered the city, verse 20, Elisha said, Lord, open the eyes of these men so that they can see. The Lord opened their eyes, and you imagine their panic. They looked, and there they were inside Samaria. They're now the ones that have the blind panic. And you can understand in just that moment. (laughs) Oh, But you know God works, and he works even for those that are against him. And here in this moment, the Lord opened their eyes. They looked and they were inside Samaria. And of course, the king's natural reaction, Joam's natural reaction is, shall we kill them? (laughs) That's what you do. These guys are trying to get me. They're trying to kill me. They're trying to conquer us. So we now have an opportunity. Let's kill and conquer them. But that's not what happens, is it? Do not kill them, he answered. And what he actually does is prepares a feast for them. He sends them on their way. And then that changes the whole relationship. Because what happens then, so the bands from Aaron in the last verse, the bands from Aaron stop raiding Israel's territory. And it changes the entire situation. But you know, in this moment, in this moment with this servant, we get to see something quite wonderful. That in his flesh, as this guy came out and he saw this army, he saw this army surrounding him, his eyes told him what was going off. His eyes told him that they were surrounded. His eyes told him that they were in a mess. But Elisha could see something that he couldn't. Elisha could see something that he couldn't. You see, because Elisha, as he was close to the Lord, and in his faith that God was going to protect them, his eyes saw an army far bigger far greater, far stronger than anything that was coming against them. And Elisha prays and the man's eyes, the servant's eyes are opened and he gets to see what Elisha's been seeing all along. 
He gets to see that God is in control. He gets to see that there was never a worry. There was never anything to panic about. And he gets to understand that he is with a man who God has got his hand over. Elisha prays. The servant's eyes are open. And he sees that God is in control. And you know, I'm sure that he was surprised. I'm sure that he was pleasantly surprised. You'd want to be surprised in that moment, wouldn't you? God strikes the enemy with blindness. They capture the captives. And the line is, God always wins. But here's my point this morning, which I want us to think on. You see, church, for you and me, as we know and love the Lord, that the clearer our sight of heaven, the less we fear the troubles on earth. The clearer our sight of heaven, the less we will fear our troubles on earth. Now, I don't make light this morning of the troubles that we face. I'm a human being just like you. I know how tough it can be. But the Lord tells us, doesn't he? Draw near to me and I will draw near to you. And when we realize that God is stood right at the side of us, the Bible says, whom shall we fear? What can man do to me? He has no power. Church, the enemy, Satan can do all he likes. But the Bible tells me he will never take me away from my Savior. As I put my faith and trust in Christ, the Bible tells me he will never leave me nor forsake me. He will never let me go. But I have to remember these things. I have to listen to these things. I have to read these things. And I have to lock them in here. Because when I look with my eyes of flesh, I'm surrounded. But when I look with my eyes of faith being sure of what I hope for and certain of what I do not see, that my God is in control. Amen? Amen. The clearer our sight of heaven, the less we fear our troubles on earth. You know, church, this morning, we're going to close with a song that's going to come up on the screen. Are we surprised at God's hand in the situation? Because we really shouldn't be, should we? Faithfulness, faithfulness 
been a podcast by Hope Church Gainsborough. For more information visit www.hopechurchgainsborough.co.uk